Proverbs says, give out of your wealth and your increase. And I've asked my Greek scholar friends, what does that mean? And they said, well, in today's language, that would be assets and income. And while we focus on income, the tithe, the real leverage in giving is in our assets. We have a theme at John Moore Associates that's called never write another check. There are ways to give money away by giving away appreciated securities or business interest or real estate that greatly leverage the impact on ministries. If you're not sure how much to give, start with 10% to tithe on your income and then give 1% of your assets every year. And that 1% of assets leaves you enough growth opportunity in the rest of your portfolio to continue to fund your future goals, but it greatly enhances your kingdom impact. And that asset-based giving is the liberator. Once you figure it out, it's magic. Welcome to the Let's Go 360 podcast. I'm Larry Fraley, your host, and I'll be bringing you conversations with outstanding mission-minded leaders with the aim of helping you develop your own spiritual life by understanding what God is doing through our guests' lives as we learn about their ministries and what God has called them to do. Well, greetings, everyone. I'm Larry Fraley, your Let's Go 360 podcast host. First of all, thank you for supporting Let's Go 360 with your positive ratings, kind comments, and, and referrals to your friends. Let's Go 360 is part of Christ Church of the Valley here in the greater Phoenix, Arizona area. Throughout the valley, CCV has 15 campuses where children may enjoy interactive activities that strengthen their faith, where students can learn how to be Christ-centered change agents. Regardless of where you're at, in your own personal walk. Adults, young and old, will discover a place in which they can grow and feel at home. Welcome to episode 63 of Let's Go 360. And with us today is a very special guest, good friend of mine, John Moore. John is a, a founder and of a company back in 1997. He has a, such a passion to serve his community and to help his community in serving others and through the causes that, that matter. And so we're happy to have him. John, welcome to the show. Larry, thank you very much. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I, I, uh, my father was a pastor, so I grew up in the church, and um, I went off to college and lit my hair on fire and hmm. ended up in the Air Force as a fighter pilot. Uh, in the Air Force, uh, every squadron has a money person, mm -hmm. and that was me. And I helped people with their taxes, answered their questions about mortgages, and really found that I had a passion for uh, learning about financial things and, um, and, and actually giving people advice, and especially if they listen to it. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you've got a very successful firm here in in the Valley, and and your team are outstanding. I had a chance to listen to a few of their videos. And for those of you that's interested in good financial management and investments and uh, planning for the future, you're not going to find a better firm than John Moore & Associates. And so you can reach them on johnmoore.com. We're also going to include their information in our show notes. But John is a believer and um, sold out to Christ. And I've had the opportunity to serve with him on a couple of events and a couple of projects that we've we've been working on. And so, John, you obviously have a gift in this area, and I'm sure you've felt that God has called you to this. Um, tell us about uh, what it means to be really a, a, a believer in the finance world today. You know, the first thing that I think a believer has to wrestle with is ownership. 
who really owns it? Does God really own it all? And, and, and one of the ways we get to think about this is that our name might be on the title of something, but really our calling is to act like a manager, not an owner. And once you settle the ownership issue, then that allows you to move towards stewardship. And and the stewardship uh, piece really is much bigger than just money. Uh, but but the idea there is is it starts to permeate the way that you think. And and we believe strongly that every financial decision is a spiritual decision. And once you get that uh, stewardship down, then you can start thinking about generosity. Mm-hmm. So as uh, as so many believers that. Uh, go to our church today, many of them have not really focused on their finances. What would you say is one of the biggest obstacles for for making the whole area of stewardship uh, a priority in their lives? I, I think the decision that it really is a spiritual matter, and it's a discipleship matter, the fact that CCV offers Financial Peace University and, and the ability to equip a family to deal with the day-to-day decisions. So many families haven't figured out what it means to have a spending plan. They don't even know where the money's going. And frequently, if, we, if people would just sit down and figure that part out, uh, we challenge them to do it for three weeks to track their spending and, and look for something called leakage. It's things that you're spending money on that you really didn't realize you were spending it on that. And then that starts to free you up to, to make different decisions as a steward to manage that uh, finances properly. So as a financial advisor, what are what are some of the some practical steps that you would recommend to individuals or families who, who want to cultivate a, a spirit of generosity in their lives? Well, I, I, th- I think there's three questions. Uh, the first one is how much is enough? And that's a really tough one to answer, but you, you're really just sitting down and asking God to prompt you. Now, I know of a family in another state, they felt like God called them to live at the poverty level of a family of four and to give away everything else above that. Now, I'm glad God didn't call our family to do that, but that's the kind of thing you have to wrestle with before God as to that how much is enough question. And then and then the second thing is, what about my family? And that family might include school cost, um, you know, housing, all that sort of thing. And then the third question to ask yourself is, what do I do with the rest? And, and once you get those three questions answered, that really frees you up uh, to move from the stewardship issue into generosity. Can you provide some examples of how generosity has positively impacted the lives of your clients, both uh, financially and spiritually? I can. In fact, uh, one of the things that I really like to share is we we had a single mom. Her husband was T-boned in front of a Burger King and died. And she had three children. They were young. And uh, along the way, she wanted to teach them a generosity lesson. So they decided they would have a garage sale in their neighborhood. And their goal was to raise enough money for a Bible translation with Faith Comes by Hearing. And so they raised about $2,500 with their garage sale. People pitched in their junk, their, you know, their trash is your treasure. And uh, along the way, six families from the church decided they w- would match whatever they raised from their garage sale. Oh, wow. And so she ended up raising $15,000 um, out of a garage sale because of these matches between what they raised. And then they went over to Faith Comes by Hearing, and there was a match from a Bible society. So it ended up being $30,000 that she turned into a garage sale. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Changed their life, modeled the kids' lives, gave us a great story to share and, mm-hmm. and challenge people. I guess in your experience, what are some of the more, I guess, misconceptions people have about generosity, and and how can we overcome them? I think one of the things— uh, to really move in that direction 
is we are pretty much wired with a scarcity mentality. And once you really decide that God's in control of this, not you, um, that, that allows you to start thinking in terms of abundance. And once you think toward that, that gives you the freedom to accept the challenge to be more generous of, uh, in terms of your willingness to um, support kingdom causes. You know, most of the time when we think of generosity, we kind of tie it to to finances and financial giving. But, you know, there are other ways that individuals can experience generosity in their daily lives, correct? That's correct. And, you know, I, actually, I, I think back uh, to my own personal experience with the uh, uh, helping people in the in the fighter squadron, that's giving of time and talents. And uh, in fact, at a previous church, we started a financial ministry. We had 17 trained counselors who volunteered to help families, uh, you know, navigate through this whole budgeting, spending plan process, and and give them a sense of financial freedom. That's before financial peace existed. Mm-hmm. And and I saw people being blessed as they served other people, other families in the congregation. Now, you've mentioned your military uh, experience uh, a couple of times, and I've known from, you know, our previous meetings. Could you share with our audience a little bit about what that experience was like? Well, I'll tell you that I had the opportunity to be one of the early uh, pilots in the A-10 Warthog. Mm. And it was a real privilege to get to do things for the first time in a particular airplane. But the the most important thing that happened, I was up in Massachusetts um, flying with a, a squadron that was converting to the A-10 from a swept-wing fighter jet. And uh, I was in my hotel room in Boston, uh, to be honest with you, with a hangover. And I was watching television, and Robert Schuler came on the television. And, and I had been raised a Christian, and um, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me that day and said, it's time to come back. And so all that military training and all the fun things that we got to do, uh, God used someone else in the squadron to turn that around, to witness to me and witness to my wife, Connie. And all the way home from Boston to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, we had never really talked, you know, quote unquote, religion as as we were dating and getting married. And I kept saying, what am I going to say to Connie? And uh, I I went to the house and I said, you're not going to believe what's happened. And she said, funny thing about that, God's been working on me too. And it turns out she had been raised in a Christian home as well. We, it was just a matter of God bringing us together. And it was the, the influence and the witness and the testimony of another Christian couple in the squadron. And guess what? They, I later thanked them, and they had no idea that God was using them. And I, that's, I would just use that to encourage people, wherever they are in a career, you just don't know who's watching and how God might can use you. So, you know, I have to ask, because the thought of being a fighter pilot has always intrigued me. Uh, my my experience in military was all on the ground uh, during the Vietnam era, so I never got a chance to really get into a plane and fly around, but I always loved it. Now, this this A-10 Warthog gets, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that the one that you, it's a single-seater that kind of has these two big jets right, like right behind, you're almost sitting like in between these two giant jet engines. Those two, two big jet engines actually power a holster for a 30-millimeter cannon. Wow. And that cannon shoots 4,000 rounds a minute, and even the training ordnance will penetrate armored personnel carrier. It's, and it's a ton of fun to fly, and when you shoot the gun, it doesn't really slow the plane down. Smoke comes over the cockpit, yeah. but it slows your rate of acceleration. So you know that that is a very powerful weapon, yeah. uh, and it was used quite successfully in the Gulf Wars, um, and, uh, and it's absolutely a fun fl- plane to fly. At the time I was flying it, there were no GPS 
we had to fly around with paper maps and I would have the cockpit covered with maps and we were in South Carolina and foggy and more than once I had to pull up to the water tower on the town and read the name of the town and go, oh, that's not, I, now I know where I am. Mm-hmm. But that but that kind of thing, uh, it, it's basic pilotage and it's different because I flew an F4 that was supersonic and uh, dogfight and all that and very different, but very much a pilot's airplane. Yeah, yeah. Well, we better get back on the subject because uh, I could I could easily talk about that for the whole time here. You know, we have a pastor, uh, Ashley Boldridge, our senior pastor, who is just passionate about generosity, and I know that uh, for a fact. Uh, I know him personally, and and how he feels about uh, this whole spirit of generosity. His his verse is um, Ephesians three twenty. Um, which is, you know, now him who is able, now all glory to God, who who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish uh, infinitely more than we might ask of him. So do you, do you have some old biblical principles or passages that you might share with us uh, uh, when talking to others about the importance of generosity? I think the thing that I struggle with the most personally is contentment. Mm. And First Timothy six six is my life first. Mm-hmm. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, wouldn't just godliness be great gain? I mean, why did Paul have to throw that contentment word in there? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and the other thing, um, well, Chuck Swindoll, a pastor, uh, once said that there's a word missing from the American vocabulary, and that word is enough. And, and I think deciding that how much is enough question liberates you. And I, and I hear Ashley's heart when he talks about this, that they clearly as a family have decided how much is enough. That gives them the liberty and the freedom to be as generous as God calls them to be. Yeah. I know they've done, uh, the, they've done a great job, much better than Sheila and I did with the raising our daughters, um, to help the train the, the family. Um, I know at very young ages, these, uh, their kids, uh, I'm talking grade school level, um, was uh, given an allowance, um, but they was also given all of the responsibility to pay for their own food, to buy the things that normally parents would buy a child that age. They transferred that responsibility to them. So they learned early on uh, what tithing meant, what uh, you know, paying for uh, things and making decisions as to the priorities of things they need, things they would like to have, and they, uh, they all three of the, the our granddaughters, their children uh, have done a an amazing job with with that. Um, so along that lines, what are some practical ways or individuals can involve their children or the younger generation in in cultivating this this whole heart of generosity? Well, uh, my wife practiced the idea at that time. It was called the envelope system. Some people still call it that, but our girls got. An envelope for their living things. They got a ten percent envelope for their saving, and a ten percent envelope for their giving. Mm-hmm. And so they had conversations about how that, how to allocate all that from as as early as possible, and as few, in many ways, less than a dollar the original allowance at that time. I've watched our daughters, uh, our daughter with grandkids, uh, do the same thing. She uses jars with with their children. Mm. Uh, but the same idea, because that, that way they can see the, the the money that's in there. And I, I've sat there and listened to their to our grandsons have conversations about what they're going to do with their giving jar. And 
just to have that dialogue and, and as a grandparent to, to witness that is a very, very special thing. Well, as you talk about that, it, it takes me back to the Miracle Sunday where our church raised um, $1 million in one Sunday uh, that was all cash uh, in order to purchase the land on the Peoria campus right now that we, we, we still occupy. And during that process, it was a three-month process that we involved the entire church, including the children. And John, I tell you, it was a quite a moving sight to see these kids come up on stage with their piggy bank and, you know, dump their pennies into, um, you know, the wheelbarrow. And um, and then at the end of the day, we, well, the next week we announced we, we went over about 5,000 of our goals, which was used to, to purchase the, the property here at Peoria, Peoria and, and uh, uh, 67th Avenue in Peoria. And, um, but... The, the what what the children learned and the family learned during that time is what is what not only generosity is all about but all about and also sacrifice you know it's one thing to be generous um, but it's another thing to sacrifice um, and there's a difference between the two um, what is sacrifice to some uh, is not sacrifice to others yep. <laughs> uh, but yet both can be considered generous so it's it's a little more complex. So there's a lot of of things we can learn from scripture and and from these principles that the generosity impact um, can be significant. And so, you know, can can you provide perhaps some tools or strategies to recommend or help individuals to maximize some of maybe their ability to give generously or uh, while also ensuring their own financial stability? I, I can and. And, and there's a biblical principle from Proverbs three nine, and uh, and and the the proverb says, "Give out of your wealth and your increase." And I've asked my Greek scholar friends, "What does that mean?" And they said, "Well, in today's language, that would be assets and income." And while we focus on income, the tithe, the real leverage in giving is in our assets. And uh, and and we have a theme at John Moore Associates that it's called "Never Write Another Check." There are ways to give money away by giving away appreciated securities or business interest or real estate that greatly leverage the impact on ministries. And um, the, it, when you look at the tax benefits, there's really only one loser in those transactions, and that's the IRS. And that, and I certainly don't mind having the IRS uh, be the loser in that particular transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we've we've had people start with the idea of, of giving ten plus one. If you're not sure how much to give, start with 10%, the tithe on your income, and then give 1% of your assets every year. And that 1% of assets leaves you enough growth opportunity in the rest of your portfolio to continue to fund your future goals, but it greatly enhances your kingdom impact. And and normally we would use the 1% of assets on something longer term, like a building campaign or some kind of missions project. Um, and, um, and that asset-based giving is is the liberator. Once you figure it out, uh, it's a magic. And uh, for people over 70 and a half who have IRA accounts, there's great leverage in something called a qualified charitable distribution, QCD, or some people call it a charitable rollover. And that's part of the never write another check. You have your IRA custodian write the check to the church or to another ministry as God calls you, and you give the money directly from your IRA uh, to that ministry. 
Good. That's so good. You know, um, we will include information um, not only about John Moore Associates, but also information about uh, a book he wrote, The Almighty and the Dollar. Uh, it's a it's a lifestyle of generosity. You talk in that book that wealth has has nothing to do with money, and so those principles that are are in there, I'm I'm sure, uh, can can really be of value to to our listeners. Lastly, John, what what are some final words of encouragement or advice you would like to share with our listeners who who desire to live a a more generous life? Well. I just really like the idea of getting together with your spouse or someone else that's important in your life and really having a generous generosity conversation. Get aligned on uh, where God would have you to go. And, and one of the techniques that Connie and I use is we decided we were going to give the five largest gifts we had ever given. And, and we were going to give, she was going to get one, I was going to get one, and we were going to get three. And I learned more from what she, how she picked her gift. And we had, at that point, been married over 35 years. Uh, and having that conversation within the family uh, really helped liberate both of us to be more willing to be more generous. And I would just challenge, and, and I would then add the word discernment. That gives you discernment as to where you should be giving, how God would call you to give and serve, uh, and you do it in unity with, with your spouse. Great. Well, John, is there anything, uh, your, any projects in the future? What's your near-term goals and future look like? Well, I'm very involved with National Christian Foundation, and we've been, uh, have, have uh, rebranded what used to be in New Mexico. We now call NCF Southwest. We have people on the ground here in the Phoenix Valley. Uh, they are experts in what are called complex gifts. That means giveaway assets and, and really trying to help them uh, uh, be more known in the valley, so that the opportunity to be wiser about how you give is available, and I like to call NCF the toolbox with the heart. They will serve a family and help them figure out how to do it wisely and efficiently. That's so good. Well, John, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to having you back on in the near future, and we'll we'll talk more about this whole idea of generosity. Thank you, Larry. It's been a real privilege. Thanks for listening to the Let's Go 360 podcast, sponsored by Christ Church of the Valley. Check out CCV at ccv.church and our missions activity at ccv.church missions, where we are trying to fulfill the Great Commission, inspired by the Great Commandments.